No pressure, right? No pressure. One wife. One wife. Good to note that. We're still in New Covenant, right? <laughs> uh, man, it is a um, complete surreal moment to be here this morning. Uh, try not to get too emotional here because I think I was just so brought back to moments with Jesus here. Man, Jesus changes everything. It's not a phrase. It's not a merch. It's not a Visco quote. Jesus changes everything. I remember weeping multiple uh, just chapels and praise gatherings at this altar and just as a young adult thinking I knew what to say and how to do it and years later finding out I don't, now I know what not to say and what not to do. <laughs> to find myself at a place here, this is just, it's an, it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't know me, uh, I don't have a blue check mark on my social media account. I don't have merch on a table outside afterwards. I don't have a book that I'm trying to sell. I don't have a podcast. Um, I'm learning how to do this thing called life. Been in church ministry going on, uh, going on a while now. Get to serve on an executive level at our church. And I think why I ask God, why am I here for, these, for this semester? I think like uh, looking back at all the previous mowing chairs, I think for me, I just go, God, why? And uh, in my time in my prayer for this, these next couple of days, what I just sense God having for this audience here it's just, a, it's just a reminder of faithfulness, an encouragement of faithfulness over the next couple of days. Uh, for those of you that are here because uh, you're saving chapel skips for the end when it gets nicer, thank you. I hope to respect your time. <laughs> for those of you that, uh, that are here and you're at a spot in your faith journey where you're like, you know what, I, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus right now. You know, I grew up in the church, but I mean, I've heard some things, I've seen some things, and I kind of don't know. I'm, I'm, at a, I'm at an impasse. Thank you for, for being here. For those of you that are wanting to grow in faith and you are just in love with Jesus, I pray that you would be encouraged uh, just with the message uh, over here the next couple of days. Uh, once again, because my goal um, in these messages and these times together in the classes and our time in chapel is not that years from now that you would remember uh, my name, like you're not going to remember me years from now. But what I, what, I, what I hope is that you would remember what God did, that you would be encouraged because there will become a moment years from now when you're in that job, you're in the workplace, you're in your marriage, whatever it might be, and it just feels easier to run, to tap out, to give up, to move, that you would be rooted in your faith in, your, in, in this relationship with this, this person we call Jesus, that you would remain faithful in your walk, that you would remain faithful. And so we're just gonna uh, unpack that just for the next couple of days here. So I'm gonna open in prayer and then we're gonna hop right into it because I know some of you, I don't know if, if they move chicken tenders or chicken nuggets to Monday, but if so, I know some of y'all are gonna be like looking at 1130 ready to rock. So I gotta make sure we steward this time well. Heavenly Father, God, we are just so grateful for who you are. You are good. You are faithful. And Jesus, we just pray that you would be honored in our time together, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done so far this year at North Central, this semester. And God, we just pray that even for those of us that are suffering from spiritual amnesia, where we have forgotten who you are, what you've said, and what you've done, may you remind us of those Ebenezer moments. God, may you remind us once again of your faithfulness in our own life. And may we draw from that, God, joy and peace, Lord God, as we continue to look ahead for what's to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. All right. Uh, so with, with the time that we have together here, I'm going to kind of like part of my intro, if you will, be scattered throughout the different messages and all of that stuff because um, I want to respect your time once again. So today, the title of the message is It's On Me. Look to your neighbor and say, it's on me. Say, no, say it with a little bit of attitude, all right? Say, it's on me. There it is. All right. Uh, so we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 2. Uh, uh, my time at North Central, I kind of went through the whole gauntlet of when it comes to housing. I was at Z House for a moment uh, back when there was like guys dorms at Z House. And then I came to Two West Phillips. And then I went to Orfields and Elliott's. My, 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 my free pastor, Carlson, was I hung out with Chris Wolfley and had him counsel me and walk me through some stuff. And that was my, my connection to Carlson. And, and uh, I mean, with Filler Hall, there was that all that going on like back in the day if you wanted to have a date you had that laptop you made sure you had your charger and at that point you download like a tv show from LimeWire at that point depending on how the internet was doing that day and that was your date in filler hall right and so one of the things for me growing up there was always a competition right and for me in our areas a lot of it surrounded video games now I know Call of Duty NBA 2K some of these different ones for us in our area it was Mario Kart. It was Mario Kart or Smash Brothers, right? Super Smash Brothers. Now, like, uh, now for me, it was, a, it was just a, a family thing as well because I was always trying to beat my brother. Like, I'm the oldest of three boys, but my younger brother, Steve, always beat me. So, like, I came to college and I felt like, okay, like, this is my time to shine, right? Now, what would happen late at night when we all should have been do doing homework, right? Just video game tournaments sounded better at that time, right? And so we'd wind up getting this competition. And as always would happen, additional people would come into the room because not really they didn't want to see who would win. They just wanted to see who would lose, right? And so all at every time, whether it be NBA 2K, FIFA, whatever the game would be, it'd get down to one-on-one. -on -one. Somebody would have like their last life or it'd be like 10 seconds left and all the tension would begin to build, right? You'd forget all the things you prayed about. You'd forget about all the spirit, Holy Spirit and all that stuff. Now you were just in the flesh nature at that point, right? As you were externally processing your very real human emotions in that moment. And what would happen uh, pretty much every time there would be something, a phrase like this, and I'm sorry, this is a trigger warning for some of my gamers in this room, all right? And the, the phrase would be, I didn't press that button. No, it's the controller. I didn't mean to do that. No, and you begin to blame the controller, right? It was like, no, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. It was never the user, right? It was always this wonderfully wired controller or this wireless controller if you had money, right, at the time. And so it was always the controller's fault. And I remember these arguments as I was preparing for the message today because I'm looking back at those times and those debates in our dorm rooms and classrooms or our dorm rooms and apartments, if you will, blaming the controller for something that wasn't happening. And I, and I began to realize, like, man, we, we tend to do this in our faith journey, don't we? When it comes to our faith journey, it's a lot easier to pass over ownership and to focus on blame. It's a lot easier. We live in a culture and in, in, in an environment in today's day and age where the, to blame someone, there's a culture that is ready to affirm like, yeah, that, that ain't you. That's on them. That's on them. Man, if the church did this better, then man, you wouldn't be where you're at. Well, if North Central or if you're a teacher or if you're parents and you're like, man, right, it's not on you. It's on them. And it was, it's so easy to begin to look at what, uh, like, uh, to displace ownership, if you will, 
and to focus on the blame of why something didn't happen the way you wanted to, in the timing you wanted to, in the manner and the fruition of what you hoped it would have. And it is so much easier to begin to focus on blame. But what happens is it robs us of the opportunity and the desire and the dreams that God has for you to live this fullness in the life that's found in Jesus Christ. It begins to move and almost begin to shift root systems and all that. And so for us, we're going to be looking at, in our text today, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. For those of you that are, are newer to the word of God, Colossians is found in the New Testament. The Bible's broken up into two spots, old and new. The Old Testament's before Jesus showed up, Old Covenant. New Testament is New Covenant is when Jesus showed up. And in this letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul is writing to the Colossian church, and it's a young church. Jesus has come, his ministry, as it's captured in the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see the ministry of Jesus captured. Paul was originally not a follower of Jesus, has this radical transformation where he encounters Jesus and just changes everything, changes his name. He goes from Saul to Paul, and now Paul is on fire. He is uh, going around encouraging, building up the local church, young uh, followers of Jesus, and this is one of his letters to the, church, the Colossian church. Now, what is taking place, what's really key that I think applies even to us in this room today, balcony and floor, is that this young church, this young Colossian church, was navigating some heresy and false teaching that was trying to remove Jesus as a central part of the faith. That it began to challenge and try to remove and have all these different other elements. Yeah, it's Jesus and this. Or Jesus is an option. It kind of sounds a little bit like the environment and the culture we find ourselves in today. And Paul is right into the Colossian church. And this is the encouragement that he offers them in this time. So it's found in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 9. It reads this. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Verse nine. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful encouragement from the Apostle Paul to the local church in this moment. I want to focus here on the first couple of verses, verse 6 through 7. We'll put that slide back up. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on them. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and, it will, and you will overflow with thanksgiving or thankfulness. So looking at this as Christians, when you accept Jesus into your life, when we accept Jesus into our life, we have the gift of eternal life. There, there's this whole other just gamut, if you will, of blessing and, and gifts that God offers us. But it's on 
us to continue to grow on our own spiritual journey. There is an ownership level that begins to come in that where it's on us. It's not a works-based faith, so I just want to be clear about that. But there's a level of ownership for us to stay spiritually planted, rooted, and growing in our relationship with Jesus. Now, some of the conditions that keep us connected to Jesus, that these, for those of you that have been, uh, that are varsity Christians, if you will, right, that uh, some of these might not be new to you. You might brush them off, but these are the tied or uh, tried and true methods. Some of the ways we stay connected to Jesus, that we stay rooted, right? It's time in the word. It's knowing what God has said. In the seasons where you don't feel like you hear from God, go back to what has already been said. It's being, spending time in his word, uh, discovering the truth of the word of God, right? It's time in prayer. What is God speaking? What is his, where is his Holy Spirit leading? What is he beginning to put on your heart? It's this time in prayer. It's this time serving, right? It's putting your faith in action, putting uh, feet to your faith, if you will. And then it's repeating those. It's continuing to put the hand to the plow, if you will. It's continuing to get in the word, continuing to pray. It's on you. It's on me. Now, it's encouraging you could walk away and say, okay, well, I already knew that I should do that. I, that's, that's nothing new. I just learned that in my class here previously right before chapel. Like nothing's new. Now, we hear that. We know what to do. We know what we should do. But even in this letter, we see Paul is giving a warning to this young church because he recognizes what is, that, what is taking place, what is happening externally. Notice that what he says, it's these theories, these things that would be tried to remove the belief that Jesus is the center, that it's Jesus one and only. And see, what happens is uh, a lot of times when it comes to being rooted in Jesus, we will, uh, I'm gonna speak to my audience here that you would say, hey, you are passionately following Jesus. You are passionate. I want to speak to this audience here for a moment. Because there's a lot of times what gets us in trouble. You might go, well, it's not a bad philosophy. Like, well, there's this great podcast. There's this great book. You know, there's this great message I heard. And those are meant to supplement. Those are meant to inspire. But what can tend to happen is we will begin to substitute what God meant as a supplement to be the source. That we will begin to take, and like my belief system is what Jackie Hill Perry wrote in her book. It's a good book. But it's not the word of God. That, oh, I heard this great message the other day. I, I, man, I've been listening. This pastor, this pastor, that's a great message. But it's not the word of God. What is God saying? That we begin to take what was meant to be a supplement and we substitute it for the source. And the moment you have a trial, and the moment you have a storm, you wonder why all of a sudden you're just going all these different directions and you don't know where, which way is north and which way is south. Because what has happened, you've allowed yourself to not stay rooted in, the, in who Jesus is, but what was meant to be a supplement, you have substituted as the source. Now, when it comes to those that are maybe you're a little bit on the fence, I want to talk to that audience that the rise of TikTok theology, right? Well, like my devotion is this person that I've never met that apparently has this really great thing to say and it sounds catchy, it's short, I can digest it quickly and that now becomes my theology. And we begin to look at this and then we wonder why we don't have an answer to some of the questions culture has. Because what has happened is we've begun to uproot ourselves from where we should have never left. Being rooted in Christ. Then I'm going to talk to my people. You're like, hey, listen, I'm still in this journey. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I, I want to speak to your workplace habits. Because even in the same way, what I've seen with young people, and it breaks my heart because there's so much potential in this room. There's so much that what will happen is I will watch young people 
In 15 years, they'll go from like four to six different jobs and they'll go, hey, uh, hey, doctor, I, I have 16 years or 15 years work experience. It's like, no, you don't. You got three years at five different spots. You've never had to navigate a storm. You've never had to navigate a low season. And what happens is we have this inability to stay rooted in our faith, in who Christ is. Because as we see, it's in, as we stay rooted in Christ, it's the fullness. We miss out on that. As we begin to run and allow these different things that were meant to be a supplement to inspire, to encourage, to empower. We almost, for some reason, like, oh, that's a church answer to get in the word. It's like, no, it's the right answer. Oh, just pray about it. Like, oh, don't. If I hear somebody say pray about it again, it's like, well, have you done it? What I've often found is people will post about it before they pray about it. And they wonder why people are mad at the church. Because what happens is a lot of times we don't want to bring our, our petty fleshly nature before God and say, because we don't want to hear God say, I think you're wrong. We really like being right. It's not a church response. It's being rooted in Christ and staying rooted. Romans eleven eighteen, Paul writes, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do consider this, you don't support the root. The root supports you. And I think it's so easy, right? Spirit of comparison. Well, at least we're not doing this. One of the tests when it comes to the greater obstacles when it comes to millennials and Gen Z is this, this obstacle of cynicism. And if you want to know if you struggle with cynicism, uh, if I were to say the name of a pastor and the first thing you were to, uh, to think of is like, oh man, they're just off. <laughs> oh, the way they run their church. Or if you were the name, uh, the name of a coach, you see this in athletics. I'm a person that loves sports, and I realized I had a petty, cynical side that because the moment I heard, well, LeBron's better than Jordan, I went, oh. But I realized, because then I instantly like trying to find like, all the things that are wrong. And what we're recognizing is we don't support the root. The root supports us. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, Apostle Paul goes on in another letter. He says, I pray from this glory or for his glorious unlimited resources that he being God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand as all of God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Notice he says that he will empower you, that he will keep you strong. You see that there are some very real battles that all of you are facing. Everybody's story here is different. And I don't know what your story is and what spiritual obstacles you might be facing or what might be going on at home or the family situation that you came out of. That it might just be a miracle that you're sitting here today at North Central University on this day. It just might be a miracle that you're breathing. And you might be hearing some of this. You're like, I don't know if I can trust the church. I don't know if I can trust this person called Jesus. Because if God is good, how come? And you can begin to fill in the blank. And, you can, and there's plenty of excuses. Like you said, you can find a YouTube reel, TikTok, all these different things of people of why they think Jesus isn't the answer. But what I have found in my 34 short years on this planet, or old if you talk to one of our students, <laughs> God is just too good. I've had too many encounters, 
too many experiences to even begin to doubt. And I'm not saying that because I have the mic or I have a title, but it's one of those, even my moments of doubt, as we talked about in Romans, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God is not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your questions. But what we find is that as we stay rooted, he will give you the strength. He will empower you. He's not, uh, God is not surprised by the obstacles and the battles that you face. He's not. That as we stay rooted, we find that he has everything we need. That he has all that we could desire. I'm going to invite the, the worship team back up here. It's our church answer for, hey, we're almost done. Amen. Colossians 2.9, this is how Paul ends this portion in the Colossian church. He goes, in Christ, in Jesus, lives all of the fullness of God. Not partial, not your favorite parts, not the parts that are easy. In Christ lives the fullness, all of the fullness of God. So um, I know this might, I'm going to do a little word picture here and and bear with me. I know we just had an April Fool's snowfall and it can kind of be hard to think about this, but I want you to think of a warm day. My California people, this is easy. I was born SoCal, raised Southern Minneapolis, so San Bernardino, SoCal, I'm here, okay? But think of a warm day, sun's beating down, no clouds in the sky, and you're standing on the edge of your favorite pool, beach, or whatever it might be. For me, it's the ocean. And you start to, you, the, the sweat, the beads of sweat start to drip down. Your face is starting to get a little warmer. And you're in front of this body of water. And you know if you just jump in, it's, it's going to be cool. But you step in and kind of ankle deep and the water just begins rushing over your feet. And the sand begins to give way as the tide pulls out. And your feet start to sink into the sand. You're still sweating and you're looking at it like, man, I'm, it's warm, but man, I just don't know if I can go all the way in. See, one of my favorite places in all of the world is uh, T Street Beach in San Clemente, California. And so it's a place that's so special to my family and I. Just We go there every couple of years, just a space to get away, um, just to disconnect. And um, as you heard earlier, I have one wife and two kids, um, eight and a six-year-old. And I mean, they are, we are an introvert's nightmare of a home. And if you notice, like, this is a very real photo. You're like, why are you choking your son? Because, like, my dude is trying to run away, okay? Like, okay, like, that, that is a real family photo. It's not, no, matching outfits. Like, he is, he is gone, right? He's the spirit of Benaiah in him. So we got to figure that out. Try not to break that church joke. Uh, so, but when we first got there, I remember my oldest, he, he was nervous. He heard the sounds of the waves. He saw the vast ocean. As a Midwest kid, he put his feet in the sands and he was like, Dad, it's just, it feels weird. It feels different. It's too hot. It's too warm. And I'm like, all right, but well, I'm going in. So you can stay here with whoever, which one of the family members decides to stay here. I'm going in. And I would watch throughout the week President Hagen as he would just, he would sit there and he, he'd kind of dibble and dabble, right? He'd get in ankle deep and then a big wave would come in. He would sprint back in. He was like, no, I ain't having it. So this happened all week, and at first, if I'm honest, my wife and I were like, dude, did we just waste a bunch of money paying for this dude's plane ticket? Like, no allowance for like the next two years to repay back this ticket, all right? Like, we're petty like that, okay? And the last night, getting ready for family photos and all this stuff, we got, got down to T Street. It's the, it's the sunset. You got the pier in the background. Got to get all the vibes. We don't have the matching outfits, okay? We're not, we're not at that level yet. We're waiting until they're teenagers to embarrass them at that level. And so... And we're looking there, we're getting together. 
And all of a sudden I hear this joy-filled scream and I look over. My oldest had it in just in a moment decides right then, I'm done with these excuses. During the family, rips his shirt off, drops his pants, is in his Pikachu underwear, and he just, all of a sudden, we see this little body. You'll see this next photo. Dead sprint to the ocean. <laughs> now, it's, it's, this, it's this weird moment, it's this paradox. I hear my, my dad and mom, the swells are gonna take him, the current, and there's like fear, I'm like, I'm just crying. I'm like, my son. And he jumps full in unashamed. And he just jumps in. And what I listen to the sounds of his joy-filled laughter and the screams of grandparents behind us. And I watch as my son was experiencing the fullness as he fully immersed himself. That he stopped just sitting on the sidelines and he fully threw himself in there. And here's the picture. The, the next time we went to the beach, the next year with his younger, first day, First day. You see, what Paul is encouraging, and I just wanted to encourage you here today, Jesus is better than you think he is. Jesus is better than even what you're learning in your classes. Jesus is, he's good. I know you might have experienced some hurt. I know you might have experienced some setback. Jesus is really good. And as you stay rooted in him, Paul's encouraging. You begin to experience the fullness of God. Joy, uncontainable. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The rise of mental health and some of the things that I hear from students, I think we all could use a little bit more peace. The fullness of God, joy, peace, all these different things, you begin to experience it. And not just for a season, but as your roots grow deep, you continue to find that throughout life, it gets harder. It doesn't get easier. Some of you are like, well, once I graduate and start getting my rhythm down with my student debt, I get my full-time job, it's going to be easier. <laughs> I'm going to get my faculty. The faculty's like, ah. <laughs> well, once, you know, once, once we aren't working multiple jobs and we both just have my wife and I or my, or just for me, like I just have my one full-time job, I can just focus on that, I'll be good. <laughs> well, once I start making a certain amount, ugh. In Christ is the fullness of God. Here's just my encouragement as we close today. I know we got a couple minutes as some of my, my 12 o'clock class people are gonna get ready to leave here in a moment. Here's just my encouragement. Don't blame the controller. <laughs> Stay rooted. It can be hard. There's some really nasty things that are going on in our world. There's some hurtful people or hurtful things that have been said by people of faith that could cause you to question this whole faith journey. But when you're rooted in Christ and don't let these empty philosophies, all these other stuff as Paul talks about begin to pull you out because you're saying, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm staying connected. I'm staying rooted. You begin to experience the fullness of God, that joy, that peace we talked about. So my encouragement, just don't blame the controller. Stay rooted. Live in the fullness of God. Simple, right? I'm gonna invite everybody to stand on up.
as we get ready to close. What we're going to do is we're going to get ready to go back to this song of worship. I know some of you will have to, to slip out, but we're just going to open up the altars here in a moment. And I'm not going to have anybody come down in this moment, but I do want, on a pastoral side, I, want to, I just want to pray. There are those of you like, hey, that sounds cool being rooted, but how do I stay rooted if I feel overlooked? How do I stay rooted when I don't feel like I've been given an opportunity? How do I stay rooted when I feel like running is easier than staying? And I just want to pray a prayer of encouragement for you. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, we do this out of respect for those that might be a little bit more nervous. I'm just going to have you shoot your hand up quick. You don't even have to keep it up. It's like the easiest response, right? That's you said, Pastor, I just need a prayer because right now it's hard. So on the count of three, just a quick hand up. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. If you feel comfortable, I'm gonna ask you to put the hand on the shoulder next to you. North Central has always said that this is, this is family, this is a community, and we're just gonna pray. Some of you might begin to have a, a word. I'm just gonna open up for 30 seconds. You might have a word for the person next to you. I just want you to begin to encourage them. You might not know why God's giving you that word for them in this moment, but God might be using you just in this moment. About 20 seconds. Jesus, I got to thank you for the boldness of God. All those hands that went up, God, we saw over a third of this room, God raised their hands. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, God, for patient endurance. God, I pray for the patient endurance that the apostle talked about, Lord God, that those right now, that it just feels easier to tap out, that it feels easier to run, that it feels easier, God, to just give up. God, I pray for the patience, God, the ability and capacity to trust you deeply. And I pray for the endurance, God, that to keep moving forward, that even though they might not know what tomorrow holds, what their next step is, post-graduation or at the end of this semester or this summer. God, I pray for a patient endurance to come alongside of them, God. As it's spoken of by your prophet in the book of Isaiah, that you would strengthen the hands, God, that would give way. That you would strengthen the knees, Lord God, and the legs, Lord God. That they would not give in. That they would not bend, Lord God. They would not be like it's spoken of in James, like the wave that's tossed by the wind. But God, that they would be secure in you that their roots would grow deep and they would experience the fullness of God in their life. So God, I pray for peace. God, I pray for joy. God, I pray for clarity. I pray for confidence, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord, you would just begin to fill them, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So here's how we're closing. I'm just going to invite you guys to come up. We're going to step into a time of worship, and we're just going to begin to go back into that song and declare, he has no rival. Right as uh, Paul was writing to the Colossian church, and they were going back and forth of like, okay, is Jesus central? Jesus has no competition. There's no, he has no rival. And we're just going to begin to focus back in our hearts, our minds, our souls on focusing on he who came down to put on the flesh of humanity to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death so that you and I might have hope, 
So I'm going to invite you to come forward as we get ready to close in this time of worship. We're going to open these, this altar up. If you need prayer, we'll have some of the staff members up here in the faculty open for prayer. But I encourage you, if you have time, take, a, take these moments now and just begin to say, God, I'm returning back to a place I should have never left. God, I'm returning back to a spot that I should have never left. So God, we just pray for these next several moments, God, for those that are able to stay, God, those that have to leave, Lord Jesus, we just pray, Lord God, just have your way. Lord God, we just, we pray that you would reignite a sense of awe and wonder in our life, Lord Jesus, as we come back and return to a place that we should have never left. You have no rival, Lord God. You have no equal, Lord Jesus. And so God, I just pray that, that you, that our song, our worship, Lord God, God just would begin to echo in your halls here this morning in Jesus' name.